to the ether today is tuesday november 22nd 2022 today on the ether pantera hosting a space asking the real question is crypto dead huh let's take a listen got some interesting things to talk about i i do feel like maybe the broader terra community or not terra community sorry (laughs) crypto community is getting very much burnt out on the ftx news at this point, and it's very hard to sift through and discern what what's even real and what's like total BS. Um, all things I'd like to talk about. Also waiting on Pete to join. <clears throat> Got the guys here from Andromeda as well. So we're excited to talk about what they've been building. Excited to talk about Obi and what we've been building. Going to talk a little bit about maybe what the next uh narrative is going to be for the next cycle and just generally going to have some fun it's holiday week here in um in the u.s it's a holiday called thanksgiving i don't know if you guys have ever heard of this outside the u.s but it's basically the epitome of the american spirit where all we do is eat as much as we can and uh watch american football there's something called the world cup going on but uh, we don't care about that because we're American. We just want to play American football. Pete is asking me for the space. Yes, I am live, sir. Apparently, Pete doesn't know how to use uh, Facebook or sheesh, Twitter. I'm on a roll here with, with my uh, getting tongue-tied and calling Twitter Facebook and uh, calling this the terror community. Anyway, Brendan. From Andromeda Protocols here. Brendan, how are you, sir? Hey, Pete. I'm great. Yeah? Super excited to be here. Cool. We're going to, uh, I think, you know, this this space will start small, but we should be able to gain some momentum as more people start to join. If Pete would ever answer my message and join, (laughs) can't join. It just prompts me to add a reminder. Uh... This is great radio right now. I don't know. I can't. I can't run tech support. To be the uh, the guy hosting the the event at the same time. So he's just gonna have to figure it out. He's a he's a blockchain developer that teaches people how to program in multiple different languages on the cutting edge of technology, but he doesn't know how to join a Twitter Spaces. <laughs> you know, Evan. I think that's how it is sometimes. You know. I mean a lot going on yeah it's hard to keep up with with the the pressing of the buttons on the social media platforms when you're so deep into uh you know development and he has to go into a cave sometimes to code and program for 12 hours sometimes he misses the news 
All right, we got them. Cool. So that's enough for uh, the intro. I think, you know, I just wanted to maybe lead off the space here uh, with with my monologue and talk about how it's been very interesting to me how the cycle of crypto and, you know, I use the, the price of Bitcoin as, I guess, just like the the top indicator of kind of where the market is. Of course, there are, you know, outside narratives and and um, the price of Bitcoin isn't everything. And, you know, we've seen Bitcoin dominance kind of come down since last cycle. But in general, you know, I love to kind of look back at the chart and compare sort of like the four year cycles that everybody talks about. And one of the um, one of the things that was very interesting to me was a couple months back, I had talked about um, this November sort of crash that happened in 2018. And, you know, for those people who, who are listening to my voice and don't know anything about me, I got full time into crypto basically in 2017. And, um, you know, I've been around since. And, and I love to compare sort of the, the first cycle I was in, in that 2017 run up and, and crash to sort of what happened in 2022. And of course, there are differences in what happened, but there's a lot of similarities. And one of the similarities was in November of 2018, um, we had a, a crash, basically, essentially, where Bitcoin, you know, the highs of that year, 2018, were around 20,000. And then um, in November, for really no apparent reason back then, it went all the way back down into like the 3,000s. And that was really where it found its bottom. And it, you know, it got boring for a while after that. And then, of course, we had um, DeFi summer after the, the COVID crash and, and whatnot. But it was just very interesting to see in this year, um, although, of course, there was news about FTX and, and it wasn't so much just like, you know, whatever you want to call it, technical analysis or, or just broader market forces. It was actual news and, and fear and panic and all these things that happened. Uh, that that drove the price down this November, but it's just so interesting to me how the market like repeated itself almost like to a T uh, with the early November sort of havoc, um, and then after that, after that November 2018 crash, um, it, it was really boring for a while. I mean, the the, the price barely moved for um, you know from November of 18 all the way through. Uh, April of 2019, and then it started to run up again. But the reason that it really started to run up were a couple different narratives. I think one was on the macro level, which was obviously, you know, the the Fed decided to turn the money printer on, which, you know, we don't have any control over, unfortunately. Um, but then as an industry, the, the other narrative that kind of took hold that we do have control of was uh, DeFi summer in, in 2020. And these primitives that started being built on top of crypto on top of Ethereum. Um, and we saw really a lot of these popular DeFi apps start to um, to gain traction. And that was really the narrative, I think, that that took hold and, and drove sort of this next wave of adoption as we saw Bitcoin run up into, you know, above 30,000, above eventually 50,000. And then, you know, eventually uh, things tapered off um, and we started to realize that there wasn't like a, a real yield, which is another one of these terms that a lot of people are throwing around now, which might be the next narrative because we've built sort of the, the tools 
Um, but a lot of the incentives to use those was just like some, some token that wasn't necessarily, um, you know, didn't have value. And so I'm curious to see as we sort of, let's just pretend, you know, this, this 2022 crash was the same as the 2018 crash and it's going to trade sideways for a while. I'm curious what is going to be that next narrative because in 2017, when I first got into the space, besides Bitcoin and being able to send money and, and, you know, play with like maybe some really elementary versions of, of NFTs. Um, the only real innovation was the, the ability to raise money through ICOs. And that's what caused the run up in 2017, 2018. This time around, it was these primitives built on top of it that caused this run up in 2021 20, uh, and 22. And now, and now as we've kind of come down from that, I'm curious, if we do go through sort of this, this building period, what is going to be the next narrative? And of course, with the FTX crash, um, we would hope that self-custody is going to be a big part of that. Now, it, it's, it's really hard for, um, for us to just ask as a, as a community, like everyone to just self-custody everything, right? Because you got people that get in uh, for the first time ever. And I do this myself, you know, I've had so many conversations with people, um, who they come up to me and they're like, Oh, you're, you're in crypto or, or whatever. They know I'm in crypto or they ask me what I do. And we, you know, it's a stranger at a bar or whatever. And they, they ask me like, well, what is like Bitcoin? Like, how does that have value? Blah, blah, blah. And I, and I always go into my, my monologue and I say, you know, it's, it's the only true, uh, way to, to capture sovereign value for your labor and your hard work and your blood, sweat and tears. And it can't be confiscated. And, you know, it's like gold, but you can actually send it to somebody across the world without needing a, a convoy of security guards. And I go through all this and, and a lot of times they'll be like, oh, well, that's interesting. And, and maybe, you know, maybe I, I, I'll buy some if I wanted to buy some. Well, where should I buy it? And then I immediately contradict myself from this huge monologue I just gave. And I say, well, I guess the easiest place to do it is, is just do it on Coinbase. And I just got done explaining to them why it should be you know, self-custodied and it's a sovereign asset and it can't be uh, taken, taken away by censorship. It can't be you know, uh, taken from you because you said something illegal that today that wasn't illegal yesterday online or whatever. And, and now, I'm, now I'm basically contradicting myself because I'm telling them, we'll go buy it on Coinbase. Um, <laughs> But the thing is, and the, and the reason I say that is because it, it really is, it's the only easy way to go and, and purchase it. And I, you know, you try to get into explaining to them how to move it into self-custody and it just it becomes this huge headache. Um, I saw a statistic that I think while FTX was, was collapsing, it was like something like 16% of the amount of funds held on centralized exchanges. So those are things like Binance, Coinbase, um, FTX obviously included in that. Um, but 16% total of assets had been withdrawn. So that's not a lot. I mean, it's significant given the, the size of, of the deposits that I'm sure these centralized exchanges have, but it's not a ton. And so at the end of the day, we're still definitely not at a place where self-custody is easy. We're not at a place where people who, especially new, you know, normies or newbies that come to the market. We're not at a place where I would even advise them to, to try self-custody right off the bat, right? And so that's definitely a problem, I think, in the industry. Um, and it's something that I hope as we move through what I, what I predict, and again, I know it's not right, and Pete will yell at me because he says, don't look at the past to predict the future. 
But man, we've been pretty spot on with the 2017 cycle matching this 20, uh, 20, uh, 2020 cycle. Um, the, if things happen, we, we might be in for a period of, of just boredom for a while here, for a couple months, for six months. Maybe we just crab walk sideways. But that's really the time for, I think, some of these new narratives to take root and for people to start building new cool things. Um, and, I'm, and I think that's really what I wanted to talk about today is like, you know, we saw this insane downfall of FTX. We can speculate on, you know, who is who's behind this, how crazy it is. Uh, you know, do you want to blame Sam? Do you think it's a bigger problem than just one guy? Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, us as a community, as, as Web3 and, and crypto people, um, we we're going to continue building. And it's not the end of this industry by any means. I mean, this is a this industry's grown to insane levels that, you know, I never would have thought possible uh, back in back when I started working in the industry. And so. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's what I that's kind of my opening monologue into the conversation. Um, and just I'm curious what the community thinks is going to happen. What direction should we go in? What direction do you think we'll go in? What is really that next narrative that's going to grab and take hold as we repeat the cycle again, hopefully, and move into, you know, more, more highs, uh, which which, you know, I'm, I don't think will come anytime soon, but at least there's some downtime to kind of build them out now. And we've got a lot of really smart people in the chat that can talk about it um, as well. Brendan, you joined first. So you're, you're up first. I'm going to pose the question to you. Hey, Evan, thanks. Yeah, you know, so I think the next part of the narrative is first and foremost that, you know, centralized finance is a bad deal. We've proven again and again throughout history, there's about 3,000 years of it, that we need to rely on something other than humans. Like the, when, when the, when the people are in charge of the, the infrastructure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get, you get a lot of, um, you have problems, you know, the, the public trust gets abused and that's the history of debt, right? Throughout the entire history of uh, human civilization. There's no exceptions. I think the new narrative is that, um, DeFi, true decentralized finance, not centralized finance, which which grabbed an early lead. And, and, it, and it makes sense because, you know, they did it because they were easier. Right. Coinbase and the rest of the guys, they and, <clears throat> you know, they they created a product that was easy to onboard and DeFi wasn't easy at first. And and that's changing. Right. I mean, Obi's doing something hugely important in that regard. Andromeda is as well. We can talk about that later. But the DeFi wasn't early on. It wasn't good enough. It wasn't easy enough. And so the the, the centralized finance guys came in and, and were able to offer something that looked like a quote unquote crypto product. And it, 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 it wasn't, though. It's like we threw out the playbook that uh, Satoshi, the, you know, the author of the, the Bitcoin white paper, um, set down right which is we've got to uh disintermediate we've got to remove centralized trust we need permissionless decentralized systems and DeFi is that future and i think everybody after so much abuse and i'm really sorry for everyone you know for for the people that got that got abused in this process um there were a lot of failures and you know to be honest the 
the U.S. monetary and regulatory apparatus over the last 50 years since Bretton Woods has failed. They, they failed again and again. You know, there was runaway inflation in the late 70s and 80s. There was Black Monday in 87. There was a savings and loan crisis right after that. Um, we had the dot-com bubble. We had the great financial crisis of 08. Um, I mean, it, you know, we, had, we just, it keeps happening again and again. And whatever it is that they're about, the infrastructure keeps failing us and fraud keeps happening. And public open infrastructure, true decentralized finance, it's permissionless. Um, that's the future. And, you know, the, and, and it's built like we're, it's here and it's good enough. And so I think that's the next that's the that's what's crystallizing right now across the entire industry. And, you know, you would hope throughout the world, you know, crypto gets unfairly labeled here as uh, being a problem. But in fact, it was it was never crypto. Right. It was, it was never the ethos of decentralized open source infrastructure. It was about early centralized um, products that had an advantage because they made it easy. And we're in the right, you know, um, those of us participating at the frontiers of this technology are in the right place. We're good people and we, we believe in what it is we're doing. We're going to we're going to we're going to have the impact that we need. I think the next part of the narrative, Evan, is connecting this these um, DeFi, which is amazing, right? There's been all these breakthrough products, both in banking and uh, yield bearing assets and uh, every all, all the, the uh, AMM and uh, market makers, everything that we've created is good and good enough. It's, it's working and it's scalable. There's the right incentives in place. It's the right place. And the, the next part of the narrative after using DeFi and, and really embracing decentralization is, I think, connecting all this amazing infrastructure to the real world. And of course, um, you know, that's that that's the next part. How do you connect to real businesses? How do you introduce real business use cases? And how do you make it easy? You know, the bar set really high in the current Web2 framework. You know, it, it's been easy enough, but obviously there's there's a lot of problems with it. And we're here to solve it. And I think I think we've got the answer, Evan. I think Obi's got the answer. I think Andromeda's got the answer. The, the industry at large does and Cosmo, the Cosmos ecosystem very specifically has, has, is in the right position to really move the entire industry forward. And I'll, I'll stop there. Yeah, I think um, a couple things, you know, it's interesting when you say that, that you think a lot of the, the things that are built on DeFi really are there as far as, um, like just just at their very core and i've seen some really good tweets from people in the in the space whenever celsius uh went out of business or or what whatever you want to call it um whenever celsius collapsed whenever ftx collapsed and there were some good tweets from people in the space that said well it's interesting that of all the loans that these guys got uh they had to repay the defi ones first because the the defi lending protocols uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not up to human error. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's just a protocol that takes your collateral and it liquidates you if you're, you know, if you don't have enough of it. And, um, so they are really at their core in a, in a good spot. Now, maybe, you know, subprime lending and things like that aren't quite there. 
Um, and maybe those things will always be up to some kind of human clerical sort of judgment. Um, but another thing I wanted to comment too is like just a small example of how DeFi and CeFi are different. And just, you know, if anybody's listening that like we're throwing around terms that you don't understand, I'll, I'll try and clarify without being too boring to people that do know what we're talking about. But like DeFi is smart contracts controlling the transactions and there's not some um, human that's, you know, controlling the deposits and, and they're, you know, everything's on chain, everything's totally transparent. CeFi is what, what an exchange does, like a Coinbase, like an FTX, where they take your deposits. After they take your deposit, who knows you know, what the money on the screen is. It's, it's kind of against the ethos of, of Bitcoin and, and what's been built on top of that. Um, and so you know, just a, a very small example, because uh, you know, I started off in my opening sort of monologue talking about how I'll go and explain Bitcoin to somebody they're on board and then they ask me where to buy it. And then I contradict myself by telling them, oh, well, the best place to buy it is on Coinbase, which is, you know, it, it really is. But another example of that is like just in trading in general, if you look at um, some of the some of the narrative that's starting to take take shape is this real yield narrative. And we've seen protocols like uh, GMX catch on uh, gains network has caught on. Um, Kujira does, does some of this as well, but it's still as a trader, when you come in, you need to, you need to take, you need to basically place a little trade and then you need to like move your stop loss or move your tick profit trade. Um, and you need to do a lot of things. And every single time you go and move those, those lines on that chart, or you're, you're in and out of trades, it, 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 you have to basically sign a new transaction. It becomes like a huge pain in the ass. So even for somebody that's, uh, you know, a seasoned web three native that's been doing this for a while that's trading futures that's getting into these complex things you still need to um or you still almost might prefer taking the risk on a centralized exchange and saying you know what i'm going to use binance or you know what i'm going to use ftx because it's just so much easier all i need to do is sign in to fa i feel secure i know my funds are there maybe <laughs> given the you know the drama with ftx but now i can just come in and just all I got to do is just click a button, you know, and maybe enter a trading code that's four digits. And then I'm in like my, my trades move, my, my price points move everything. And so on chain, um, we do still have like a bit of a hurdle to get over from the user experience side. Right. And maybe, maybe you agree with me, Brendan, maybe you don't, but I do still think there's a hurdle for the user experience to get to that place where we can kind of outright replace what, what the centralized exchanges have built. And the biggest hurdle, which you know might be a whole other conversation, will it, it's the onboarding. It's from going from fiat into crypto, um, or or vice versa. Um, but I think that you know there's a couple little smaller, lower hanging fruit kind of user experience things that we can we can knock out in the meantime while we're all building in the cold of this crypto winter. Yeah, I I agree with all of that, and and we are well positioned when I look at. Um, you were talking about DeFi and why DeFi is better. Yeah. So there's what we see again and again with centralized finance. There's under collateralization. There's dual pledging of assets. There's counterparty risk. And of course, you don't know what, what kind of hidden liabilities uh, centralized finance has. And that's true in the TradFi 
right? Whether it's JP Morgan or Chase or whoever, you don't know what their counterparty risks are. In DeFi, we do, it's observable. Um, and so I think that's a breakthrough and it, it is the future. From a usability standpoint, um, yeah, there, there is some work to do there. I think OB Andromeda are in a great position to handle that. Part of, you were talking about the onboarding process, Evan, and onboarding, uh, you know, it starts with the wallet. It starts with um, having the confidence to know that, um, well, there, you know, there's a real gradient here in terms of uh, what people expect and how they want to onboard. And Web 2's kind of set the bar here, and there are a lot of different ways that people are doing it, but it's got to be easy, it's got to be recoverable, and uh, DeFi hasn't be, been able to offer that until, you know, what OB Wallet has done is, is created that possibility with a high level of what I call hardness or, you know, how you can trust it because you've got these different authentic authentication methods. Um, the onboarding and the usability uh, is, is key. And again, I, I think we have answers to it all. Yeah, one of the things I've noticed recently is that, uh, hey, everybody, I'm Pete, uh, just starting from the OB account. One of the things I've noticed recently is that there's a kind of a feel on Twitter like uh, we custody is bad, but normal users will never self-custody. Like it will just always be too hard for most of them. So, uh, so therefore we need to like regulate custodians and then expect normies to go that route. Um, and to me, it seems like, like, like that's just the same kind of thinking as the automobile will never go faster than 25 miles an hour or, uh, you know, the, the internet will never be usable for people because dial up speeds are terrible. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, th it's not the case, like just because self custody now is a UX nightmare doesn't mean it always will be. Uh, a lot of times people are kind of trapped in this seed phrase thinking and, you know, I, I lost my seed phrase, I lost my money thinking. Uh, and just uh, don't see that you could come up with solutions like we think we have that are non custodial that are self-custodying, but still are as easy as, or even easier than logging into an exchange somewhere. Yeah, like, and, and exactly yeah. right. I mean, so with, um, in my previous life, I was working with uh, Panini, the largest collectible company in the world. In fact, I was um, working very closely with uh, Baroth Lingham, who's actually on this call right now. And we're trying to deliver mass market solutions and, you know, what we know, anybody that's dealt with the mass market, you know, the consumer market, is that you need a lot of infrastructure and people to handle, you know, lost keys and um, people not able to find their, or recover their password, these sorts of things. And, and that's what led us into the um, centralized future, you know, the centralized finance that actually left us in this FTX position, right? It's because they made it easy to onboard and being able to onboard seamlessly and easy and in a familiar way is really, really key to the overall uh, user experience. And so um, at Panini, you know, we, um, we solve that by using uh, closed systems 
and it's good enough for uh, you know a consumer app. But when you're talking about money, when you're talking about scaling and solving problems for the world and and for the the world economy, which is the the future uh, we're building. I mean, we're actively building right now. Uh, we've got to we've got to solve this. And again, I think we have that problem. I think we can we have that um, in queue. I think we can solve it. Hey, Coop, uh, uh, Brendan, this is Bharat. I just want to chime in here. Uh, you know, thank, thanks a lot. I think uh, those are very very pertinent observations, both on the side of uh, you know self custody as well as centralized custody, uh, right? So. So, I mean, uh, to kind of uh, summarize at a high level, we've been discussing uh, the whole uh, C5 versus D5 and also, you know, the self-custody versus, uh, you know, centralized uh, kind of custody theme, right? And, uh, you know, my point here, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the CEO of Executive Labs. Uh, we build a lot of, uh, you know, crypto infrastructure-based, uh, you know, projects. So, um, <clears throat> I would say that if you if you really look at you know talking about DeFi uh, for a little bit, if you really look at it, uh, you know DeFi markets skyrocketed in less than like uh, you know eighteen months, right? Between uh, twenty twenty to let's say uh, mid twenty twenty two, we're talking about over two hundred billion, uh, you know, total volume locked. Uh, so that basically is you know a symbol where growth outpaced the whole you know tech and uh, uh, tools, right? And uh, so, uh, with you know, with with respect to the whole, you know, the DeFi space, I would say that uh, we are actually very, very early on. You know, we are probably in the you know GeoCities Angel Fire uh, stage of the build out of uh, you know DeFi. So it's probably very early to say, uh, you know, which one really is going to be around. Uh, you know. Um, in, in long into the future, right? I, I do see strong, uh, you know, cases for both C5 as well as D5, uh, and specifically with C5, uh, and the world historically has seen more C5 rather than D5. And uh, so uh, uh, coupled with strong regulation, I think there is, you know, there is definitely a great opportunity for, uh, uh, D5, which is kind of you know missing under the under the current uh, you know situation, right? So whenever there is clarity in terms of regulation, obviously uh, the boundaries of what we can build and engage with becomes clearer, and more and more money gets poured into it, and you can and if and you get like mass adoption adoption, right? For good or bad, we did see mass adoption with the likes of you know FTX and Coinbase and uh, so on and so forth, and that's the same thing even with. Uh, you know, self custody versus uh, <clears throat> uh, you know uh, basically centralized uh, uh, custody. Uh, obviously, there are you know there are a lot of existing challenge with challenges with uh, you know self custody. You need to be a very very sophisticated uh, consumer, and there are no guarantees. Uh, you know, in case you lose your you know wallet and you know all that kind of stuff that is currently there in the fiat world, and at some point in time. Uh, you need to be able to kind of bring about those kind of uh, um, those those kind of uh, you know infrastructure, whether it is through regulation or it is through you know again you know crypto crypto native uh, you know solution providers, right? But the larger question, I guess, that we are looking at is a is you know will the markets rebound and uh, will crypto 
occupy its uh, you know place in the sun in the years to come and i would say that you know that definitely is the case because there are a lot of uh, real world uh, cases where uh, crypto can actually make uh, you know quite an impact and uh, and if you know purely from a market cap perspective i would say there is you know pre ftx there has been a secular downgrade of the growth category in general and not necessarily just you know crypto if you look at all of the companies that went ipo uh, post covid and their performance now or the companies that basically went public through spacs uh, a lot of times their performance would be like you know far poorer than what you could see in something like uh, you know bitcoin right i would say that my stuff shopify investment probably got downgraded more than um, more than crypto um or bitcoin uh, right and from yeah. that perspective yes. i would yeah Roth, you know when i look at the uh, mm-hmm. Roth, when i look at the what again and again we're seeing um the traditional markets like when we look at um uh the equity markets for example and we look at the destruction of value that's happened over time and you know just in the, this year uh, it's you know we've got a there's a narrative that wants to really focus on crypto um, and the challenges that we've had over here. But when we look at the, um, t- you know, the 10% um, inflation across the entire global financial regime and the U.S.-based exporting of inflation, you know, the, the system, the, the overall system, um, it's got structural problems, and having alternative um, currencies, having alternative ways to interact with uh, financial infrastructure, feels like a really, really important point in this moment in the history of um, of people. Because again, you know, anytime we're talking about centralization, we are relying on other humans, not 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 algorithms, not public algorithms that we can all evaluate and test and measure. We're relying on um, secret relationships. We're relying on secret um, forms of control and power and counterparty risks. And at least from my standpoint, decentralization is the way forward to explore because we're doing something different and the long history of centralized finance, currency management, um, debt obligation networks of all kinds, uh, whether it's, you know, banking, rehypothecating banking systems, or whether you're talking about bonds, et cetera. Um, it's, it hasn't worked out well. Right. Like we we need to be able to come up with a some type of way to rely on something other than humans and at the same time reach some accommodation with the legal frameworks that exist because code is code and law is law. And they there needs to be, you know, there needs to be some type of accommodation between the two because, um, you know, as a people, we come together and say law is what, what leads. And, but the, to the extent that we can move uh, decision-making and control into public code that's reviewable, auditable, 
can be tested and evaluated, measured. I think we're going to succeed. I think I think it's um, a much better way. It's a different way forward, and it's something new. And at least, at least that's my standpoint. Evan, what what are you thinking about that? Yeah, one thing that I'm I think most concerned about right now is, and again, I started this off with with a comparison between last cycle and this cycle. I think last cycle, 2017, 2018, we saw uh, a lot of volatility like we did this time. And we saw a lot of people get wrecked and, and maybe there were like some, some headlines or whatever. But it, this time around, um, the whole FTX thing and, and just the scale it reached. I, I've talked to so many people that they, um, you know, they're in the space and they're like, oh, you know, my, my, and maybe, maybe it's the holidays. I don't know. Thanksgiving is here, uh, in the U S of course, cause we have the greatest holidays ever in our country, unlike you plebs in other countries, but the, you, you go and see your family and they're like, oh, we, you know, we heard about that Sam Bankman freed guy and, and that, that FTX crash and like your industry sucks and it's run by criminals. And you're like, yeah, fuck, I know. Uh, but, you know, they didn't say anything, you know, six months ago when Terra Luna crashed. And they definitely didn't say anything four months ago when Three Arrows Capital went out of business. And so my it, it, there's a point to this. The point I'm getting to is I do think that we're much more under the spotlight. There's much more um, the, the, the heat of the sun under the magnifying glass is starting to to rise around our feet a little bit. And I wouldn't be shocked if um, this time around we finally do see some kind of serious regulation. And I know, I know every time somebody says serious regulation, uh, somebody's like, well, how can they regulate it? You know, it's permissionless, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, you know, you can just simply say, well, if you interact with one of these, uh, one of these DeFi primitives, like, uh, like an Aave or like a, um, like a curve or whatever, um, you know, we'll just simply won't let you off ramp through, through a centralized entity. And I do think that that's, uh, that could be really the next battle. And I hope that there's somebody in, um, in that, that little town we call Washington, DC, that's, that's full of crooks in my opinion, but we won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, hopefully there's somebody there that's willing to distinguish between like a, a decentralized protocol in which again, you know, and, and we're preaching the choir here, uh, but you, in which you can, um, you can issue loans that are backed by collateral that, that, you know, are mathematically sound versus, uh, you know, giving $7 billion to some kid from, uh, MIT or, or wherever Sam Bankman's freed is from that's, you know, high on Adderall because he's well-connected. Um, yeah. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see sort of the battle here uh, regulatory. And I think it's, it's more prominent now than it, than it has been in the past. Um, also just the, the macro backdrop is a lot different. I, I think the money printers will turn on, but just not, it won't happen soon. It, it's, it's not going to happen soon. We need to see China finally give up the, that COVID is, is not killing every single person in the world. Um, which at this point, I, I don't know, you know, they, they, every time they take two steps forward, they take three steps back. Uh, and I, it seems to me like it's maybe just some way to kind of strangle the global supply chain. Um, and then we need to see, you know, this, this Russian Ukraine war maybe come to some sort of end. 
Uh, now we're really getting on a, off on a tangent with geopolitics, but that is the macro backdrop. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, those things affect sort of the prices of all these things. Pete, what, what say you, sir? Yeah, I mean, I used to live in D.C., and I think you're absolutely right that it's it's just all crooks. <laughs> I mean, not everyone, um, but it's all about who's who's paid you, who's who's like given money to what you wanted uh, budgeted for, you know, um, what entities have donated or like helped you out. Uh, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, you know, put some money in my pocket, I'll put some money in yours. Uh, most people are there definitely like that. And, and I mean, I guess that's that's most people in the world you know and i mean that's most people in crypto so it's no real surprise there um but corruption there is their profession in a lot of cases and we're seeing not only that but also uh, because like look at these absurd articles the wall street journal today had the opportunity to you know post something insightful about ftx and sbf and so on and instead they made it like his fan base turned on him just like they did on Trump. So uh, that's what really happened. They made it about SBF's fan base turning on him, um, his supporters turning on him. And they connected him to Donald Trump in that way. And I'm like, what in the world? You, you made a complete, this is a ridiculous article. Now it is an opinion. So I'm not sure if the writer's on staff or not, but, uh, but you know, to, to publish that is just absurd. Um, but, you know, it's, it's part of the, the general, I mean, he was an establishment kid. Um, you know, you look into his, uh, everyone involved and like Caroline's dad used to be Gary Gensler's boss. Um, at, you know, and they, they're both all MIT and all this and all that, uh, just money going around permission going around, you know, campaign donations going around, uh, favoritism from regulatory perspective going around, uh, and then it all blew up and the, the news is either trying to turn it on China and say, well, I mean, yes, there was a, a role played in, uh, you know, the triggering of this, but it definitely wasn't the problem. Uh, turning it on China and turning it on on Sam's supporters, which is, you know, absurd. Um, and then we have another problem in D.C., not just the corruption circle jerk kind of problem, but also that a huge number of the people that are in charge of these technology regulations and regulations in general are, I mean, they're just old. And I don't want to be ageist. I mean, we've got people who are into blockchain, into crypto, who are the same age and they're wonderful. But in general, you know, uh, people tend to solidify in their their framework of thinking as they get older. Uh, you know, myself included. And you so you have these people who are like 70 and 80 making crypto regulation decisions and they don't understand it. You can tell when they speak off the cuff about it. They don't understand any of it um, with very few exceptions. And then you have, uh, you know, like um, they just they hear FTX collapses and loses billions. They think, well, that's there's Bitcoin again. There's crypto again. We need to, you know, crack down on that stuff again. And so there's either people who are misincentivized or people who just are misunderstanding. Uh, and that's education is important. I don't even know how to go about that. But I, we do know that we need to make self-custody easy because Bart's right. It requires a, um, a Bart's right. It requires a, a very... Uh, sophisticated user right now to self-custody. However, that doesn't have to be the case. Uh, it's like it used to take a sophisticated user to learn how to drive a car and to, uh, you know, spin up a car and things like that. Um, it used to take a sophisticated user to do any number of things 
uh, like connect to the internet or, um, you know, make a telephone call or send an email. And now those things are ridiculously easy. You can say with your voice, Hey Siri, send an email to my boss saying blah, blah, blah. And it will happen. Right. So the, these UX barriers can definitely be taken down and self-custody can be as easy. Uh, like I said, as logging into an exchange, uh, and still be non-custodial and recoverable and hack resistant and all those things. And that's important because, uh, they're going to regulate, they're going to regulate centralized exchanges. I hope they don't regulate off ramps and on ramps, like you say, Evan, but they might regulate them tightly because they've interpreted this FTX crash as like a Bitcoin problem or a crypto problem and not as a problem with themselves, which they definitely will never do. Right. Um, so, so I, you know, there's, there's a few ways maybe out of this that I think are positive, but, uh, the most likely ways seem to be a regulatory crackdown that attacks things that weren't even involved, uh, and some things that were involved, uh, that saves face for the people who were all in on this because they're the same people who are making the laws and decisions and regulations. Uh, and that hurts crypto's ability to, uh, you know, service a, a lot of people easily. So we need to get self-custody going and get it usable for people. Hopefully we can figure out how to uh, revive the kind of decentralized on and off ramps, um, which, uh, you know, took a pretty serious hit recently with all the, the local Bitcoin stuff and so on. Uh, and the, hey, the, Pete. Yeah. Hey, I'll, uh, I'll take uh, the aged uh, part of this is probably the oldest guy on the call, call here. <laughs> Go um, for it. And, yeah. And, um, and try to steer this towards a, uh, a solution because um, like e-commerce, the reason we have e-commerce laws now is because e-commerce was working and the regulators decided they needed to do something uh, with regulation. So if we come up with a quality product, we come up with quality solutions, uh, I believe we can lead by entrainment uh, the regulators. Now, we're at a disadvantage right now with FTX and Luna and some other things, uh, but Without value, without the creation of quality products, and I'd really like to talk about some of the solutions that are out there right now that are uh, quality products in the DeFi space or in the decentralized open source space, uh, where we can get to that. You know, my, I grew up with a man that was the last person to buy anything technology. You know, there was a point when my father uh, didn't see the point of having uh, answering machines, and now he wants to uh, FaceTime with my daughter you know, once a week. So eventually uh, society will learn like steve jobs said uh, when he brought out the uh, the iphone from the blackberry thumb you know buttons he said thumbs will learn well i think society will learn as well but we've got to give them something that's easier to understand that's trustworthy tech wise and also trustworthy from a management standpoint of who's actually producing this technology so if we could i'd like to pivot the conversation more towards uh, what solutions we have out there that can solve some of these problems uh, because the DC problem, you know, there's no way we can solve that. That's their own problem. Uh, the problem's gonna have to come from the people. The people's gonna have to decide that this is what they want instead of that. So Brennan, if, if you don't mind, uh, I'm gonna put the uh, the rose in your uh, in your lapel uh, to talk about some of the things that we're trying to do here at Andromeda to, uh, to solve that problem. Yeah, sure, man, thanks. You know, one of the things that FTX taught us was that um, you need proof of assets, you need proof of liabilities. And of course, DeFi, true DeFi, not CeFi, but DeFi 
uh, accomplishes that. And, you know, we have uh, a lot of users who have all of their um, uh, resources deployed uh, using leverage. We have putting all their eggs in one basket. I mean, we, we can do better, right? Like there's, uh, there are solutions that let you have a diversified portfolio um, that let you um, depend on open source contracts. And I think in the near future, we're going to see the, uh, the ability to connect to real world assets and real world asset backed value. And that to me is the liftoff point for this technology because the rest of the world needs this. They need the capability to create, uh, to connect to financial products in a safe way, in an understandable way, and all of the stabilizing effects of existing real-world markets. You know, the, the crypto world is subject to a lot of, um, because of its ease of access and the the small number of participants, it, it, it is volatile. And of course, the regulatory regime leaves us in a position where it's hard to hedge volatility over time. We're, we're getting to that, right? We see the advent of stable coins and their ascendancy. Uh, I see that as a good thing. Uh, I see regulatory guidance as really, really important to the ongoing uh, success of this technology. But when, when I think about the, from a user standpoint, from the person who is uh, wanting to enter and participate in a financial system that is more trustworthy, that doesn't inflate at 8%, 12%, or have negative real interest rates, uh, that has known counterparty risks, uh, that has proof of assets, proof of liabilities, and it's all transparent, uh, there are a number of solutions that are emerging. You know, um, Obi Wallet, uh, Evan and Pete are involved with, are creating a wallet that uh, squarely addresses the mass market, right? It uses multiple different known, comfortable, easily accessible methods of validating your wallet um, connected to Andromeda. It can actually very easily create hot wallets, a gated access. You can actually throttle the amount of um, funds that can be removed from any particular wallet, whether it's your, your hot wallet, your warm wallet, or a cold wallet. All of these are important ideas that, you know, the mass market doesn't have, but they are important uh, to embrace. And for that to happen at the mass market level, it's got to be easy to understand. And that's happening like that the, the technology to actually execute that has emerged in the last um you know three months six months and it's been a long road especially in the cosmos ecosystem where you have this um technology base where you have uh, lots of different chains lots, lots of different experiments lots of different ways to create value and so you know a diversified uh footprint in your financial life is important. You're not depending on a single institution like FTX or Chase or Wells Fargo or, you know, whatever uh, your local country uh, big bank is. And 
that's coming. Like we we have the technological capability to deploy that um, today, and we're actively working on bringing that to market. From a connection of real world asset standpoint, Andromeda stands alone as the first uh, standalone um, global uh, decentralized operating system, and what that enables is for people and projects and other decentralized infrastructure to connect and interconnect with transparent open source contracts and to actually have known counterparty risks and to understand what kind of risks are being um, uh, taken on in, in real time, in the, in the real world. And that is a place where we can really get to um, a breakthrough in usability and risk management. And that's what we need. And I think it's here. I think, I think we, we have all the tools we need to offer that to users um, everywhere. I've been in the Andromeda hackathon that's going on. Well, hackathon, maybe academy, something like that. I forgot the official title is. And um, it's it's really cool. Operating system might not uh, just get across how powerful it is. It's like Legos that you can piece together to make an application. Um, you know, you need to like have some whitelisted ad- addresses, and you need to have some liquidity provision, and you need to have uh, you know you need to go across chains, and you need to split royalties out to somebody, and so on. Uh, and you add those different components together you piece them together like you had a splitter and you had a um and you can if you're a developer you can build more pieces for other people to use and collect royalties on that too um so if i perceive like i'm, I'm building several in this event um like for instance one of them is a like an asset unifier where like i have a bunch of different assets and i need to know all together what their value is dollars or their value is some other liquid asset um, and so I just attach that and say, and now I can, now I can access it. Now it's part of my application if I want it to be. Um, so very cool stuff. And it's not just an operating system, uh, but beyond that, it's, it's like a, a full app builder for designers who, uh, who don't have the resources to build from scratch to all their smart contracts and uh, for their application. And they could just pick these pieces, put them together. And then if there's any holes, sure, they can, uh, you know, pay a, pay an, another person to to build and put it on the marketplace, or you know, handle that whichever way they want. Um, but ultimately, as more and more pieces come on, it just becomes more and more useful for people to put these things together into applications that run across the interchain. Cool stuff. I think the key thing here is, you know, I really want to hammer this home because I have been around a little bit longer than many in this industry, and I've seen technology evolve. Uh, you know, my background as an F-18 pilot, you know, 30 years ago, that airplane was 50 years ahead of technology. And we were still living in the organization of the 1950s Marine Corps fighter squadron. And the technology far outpaced the organization. And that's what we're experiencing right now is the technology, if it uh, produces value and it's seen at, in larger and larger bites to be confident, trustworthy, and effective at creating value, it will evolve with society. You know, like Ross said earlier, this is really new. We're at the beginning of the beginning of the DeFi movement. 
And part of the frustration is we know something the rest of the world doesn't know. And it's our job as a community to teach them. We have to educate them and be patient because it's going to take a long time because my dad and others are out there that would be the last people in the world to accept this right now. But those, you know, if you follow the uh, the Moore book, Crossing the Chasm, there are early adopters, innovators, and then there's a large chasm to the early uh, early mainstream. And we're not to the early mainstream yet. We're still talking to ourselves. So we need to have quality products that are proven with a, a group of people like us, innovators and uh, uh, early adopters, that we can show larger and larger groups that are more skeptical about this new technology, skeptical whether it's an iPhone or a car or you know, drones or whatever it is, we have to prove that it's trustworthy and it creates value because it's hard to get human beings to change their habit patterns. Our best chance for those early adopters and those innovators are the young, the 18 to 24s, uh, and then we'll move slowly up the age uh, bracket. But eventually, with value and usage, we'll be able to teach society that their thumbs will get smarter. Um, any uh, any questions from those here? So um, we talked about a lot about FTX and you know the custody problems and non-custodian wallets and things, and uh, a little bit about in Obi and Andromeda, and a little bit about markets and so on. Um, now both both Andromeda uh, both Andromeda and Obi have been kind of heads down building for a while, uh, so much so that. Uh, you know, I, a couple of people I invited to space early on were like, oh, still building? They're still building? Um, so I can, I can definitely understand if there's some uh, questions you might have about uh, the progress and definitely still actively building. Like I said, there's a hackathon in progress right now. Uh, so yeah, any questions, feel free to uh, come up to stage. Otherwise, Evan, you still around here? Yeah, I'm still here. Um, one of the things that has happened, you know, like uh, last, last bear market, I don't know if you remember, but in 2018, 2019, it really became a situation where it didn't matter how good your idea was, um, to an extent you had to have prepared, you had to have runway, you had to be like, uh, in a position where you could build, uh, through the bear, through the winter. Um, do you think that we are in this similar kind of situation here? Or what have you observed in terms of like funding and, and money and, uh, you know, runway and projects, longevity and so on? I think, again, I, I, I try not to compare this cycle to the last one, but it's just become so hard to not do so when it just matches perfectly what happened. Um, but there's a lot more, again, there's a lot more eyes on the industry. I think there's a lot more uh, optimism, which might sound counterintuitive to people, given that, you know, the, the number one exchange, the, the pride and joy of, of Wall Street, and, and he was going to bridge the gap between, you know, Bitcoin and everybody in TradFi, Sam Bankman-Fried, the greatest man of all time, actually turned out to be a total fraud, uh, stealing everybody's money. And so, yes, there is more scrutiny. Um, regulatory issues I, I will will be um, <clears throat> a variable that I'm interested to see what happens. Although I, that really never happens quickly. 
So, you know, I don't know, take it with a grain of salt, but um, I think there is more capital and more optimism this time around. The, the macro backdrop isn't great, but I don't know. And again, I, I'm, I'm not an expert on like whatever is going on in the world, but you know, the last time around, I think that the industry itself was taken a lot less seriously because there wasn't an actual, there wasn't really an innovation last time around. Again, it was, um, somebody figured out how to do a, a, an ICO contract where you deposit your Ethereum and you get, you know, tokens for, for the crowd sale at, you know, whatever rate you happen to get in. And, you know, I understand that was like step one of figuring out what we can do with all these primitives and stuff, but it wasn't, you know, that's not super innovative and it gets old after a while. And I think this time around, there are um, a lot more tools. And like we mentioned earlier, Brendan mentioned earlier, there's a lot more things that have actually been built up, especially in DeFi. NFTs, you know, I don't, I don't want to offend all the NFT bros out there. I've never been huge into them. I think that uh, there's something there eventually. I don't know if, you know, JPEGs is necessarily the answer, but, uh, you know, I'm sure I'll catch shit for it for saying that. Um, but another thing that, I don't know, this this time around too, and I don't know, I don't mean to get too like crazy on my, on my uh, soapbox here, but just just like geopolitically in the world as we move further and further into the, like the digital age and everything you say is tracked and online and uh, your data, you know, like you're, you're basically a data slave. Like you're giving up your data for whatever, 20% off <laughs> on the app that you're using currently or whatever. And, um, you know, I think that a lot of people haven't recognized the importance of Bitcoin and of truly decentralized money to to make this to 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 make your value sovereign. And and again, I like I mentioned this at the beginning, but when I talk to somebody about the crypto space, I don't I don't really ever mention anything other than Bitcoin because I think that's where everyone should start. And I think, you know, the difference between now and, and four years ago is, yes, there are more people building like Web3 applications, we'll call them, that can expand beyond just um, maintaining value. But I do think, and, and the reason I'm still very like bullish Bitcoin, more even more so even than Ethereum, is that you know, there still hasn't been like this, this central, this um, identified central power of Bitcoin, especially given like the way that it, you know, it came up with Satoshi and, and the, the anonymity of Satoshi. And as we move forward into this world that has ever expanding regulations, and we see like sort of the power of the West versus the power of the East, both of which are you know, just trying to consolidate power and in their efforts to consolidate that power, I think um, they have the tools and the resources to do it in a much more effective way than ever before. You know, imagine, imagine uh, trying to control 
the dynasty of the East, you know, 500 years ago, or even 100 years ago, or even 50 years ago, uh, compared to today, where everybody has WeChat, everybody, you know, is sending money digitally. And it's the same thing in the West, too, uh, you know, not just pointing fingers at the East. Um, and I think, hopefully, people realize sort of the gravity of the situation we're in, where if if a government's going to decide that they can just kind of you know, you protested something that wasn't, uh, you know, issued by you were on the wrong side of of the argument that, you know, the that was standard issue this month. Uh, so we're going to close off your bank account or some CBDC, some central bank digital currency is going to come down and they're going to say uh, and, and, and in my opinion, the way they're going to introduce it is they're going to say, well, it's uh, it's going to be UBI program, universal basic income. Uh, here's free money. Try out the pilot of free money. Who doesn't want free money? And then, you know, you get it, you get used to it. It's easy. Everybody's got a phone, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden they start to introduce, oh, well, wait a minute. You went to a a town hall meeting last night and spoke out about, you know, X, Y, Z. So your CBDC is going to expire. And, and again, this is like crazy hypothetical. Maybe I'm going too far down the rabbit hole, but I, but I just hope people understand the gravity of, what's happening in the world where power has so much access to people and their data. And if we are going to move into this digital world where everything you do is online, every move you make is online, all of your communications are online. There's one of two ways we can go. We can go to the let's trust humans who have been at fault since the dawn of existence or let's figure out a way to make this a fair and open and uncensorable system where, you know, our money can't be censored regardless of, you know, what crime, quote unquote, we're committing or thought crime we're, quote unquote, committing. And, yeah, there'll be bad transactions, just like there's bad transactions with fiat currency, just like there's bad transactions uh, with any kind of value. So I, I think, you know, the gravity has definitely ramped up exponentially since the last cycle, even in four years. Um, We'll see, you know, at the end of the day, my, I don't know, I don't mean to be too like pessimistic. I haven't seen much, especially out of this last cycle. And I think this was the exclamation point with FTX, the exclamation point in the sentence. I haven't seen much to tell me that this industry has really made any progress towards truly freeing people towards that, that pasture of decentralized finance, other than Bitcoin. And I mean, even Ethereum with their move to proof of stake, and and I'm sure I'll catch shit for that too. But like now you can identify who the who the validators are. And so you become this, there's there's more choke points, more fail points on it than before. So yeah, I don't know. I didn't mean to start like so pos- positive and move into the negative there, but thanks, Evan. Hey, uh Sefi, I see on there, and uh of of all the people that I know in this space, you're probably on more of these spaces and have uh uh, probably a, a, a larger strategic view from what you know the pulse of the industry is at. Uh, love to to hear you comment on this. Uh, I really uh, focusing on um, really we we're all seem to be pretty aware of the uh, of the problems and uh, the solutions uh, tend to be uh, based on value, value creation, and trust. You know, trust in the system, trust in the tech. Trust in the uh, the leadership that brings the system to market. I uh, I really appreciate your comments. So if we can get you up into a speaker mode, uh, I appreciate it. 
I've uh, invited him to speak, and we'll see okay. if, if okay. he joins. Yeah, one of the yeah. things that. Uh, what? So, if you able go ahead, to, man. Uh, go ahead, man. So, if you able to uh, to get on the mic. It seems not. He hasn't ex- accepted. Oh, here he comes. Great. Oh, hey guys. Good afternoon. <laughs> I was a little bit preoccupied there. Yeah, I'm sorry. What I was asking for, uh, you know, I, of all the people that, uh, you know, I went through the marathon uh, FTX uh, Twitter spaces, uh, and I, I saw you on a lot of those, and I, uh, I really appreciated your comments. And you seem to be in touch with the really strategic level of what's going on with crypto, and probably others that I'm not even aware of. Uh, based on what uh, we've been talking about today, we'd love to hear your your comments about not only. I mean, we're pretty clear on what the problem is, but uh, as you look out over the space, uh, potentials for solving this problem out of execution and value creation. So if there's something uh, that's at the top of mind, we'd love to hear it. Well, I think the, is there too much echo in here, by the way? I'm not really in a great spot. So no, it's fine. Um, yeah, basically, like there's kind of several major things, obviously the kind of overuse of leverage obviously among all these big entities was a a big problem and then uh, so far uh, a significant portion of sort of crypto like has been more about um, just speculating on price action of various coins tokens etc and only some uh, actual sort of true revenue creation models uh, true business models so um, what are going to what are those businesses going to be that require decentralized ledgers? Uh, that's what sort of remains to be seen, I think. And um, so there's uh, there's certain kind of I think there's going to be a, a tranche of things that are like trustless and uh, kind of a tranche of things that are trusted. I think there's going to be elements of like projects that are more decentralized and others that will benefit from being more centralized and finding all the kind of various balance points in between um, seems to be kind of the, the game of the next couple of years. Um, so yeah, like uh, uh, exactly how that all sort of looks in the long run, I'm not fully sure, but um, to me, the most obvious sort of use case of decentralized monetary systems actually looks like AI more than anything. <laughs> so it may be that uh, a lot of the decentralization happens, a lot of the decentralization may happen via um, artificial intelligence based computation systems. And then like crypto maybe, and crypto and automation are gonna be kind of like the glue between all of that is what I'm thinking, uh, if that makes any sense. But uh, yeah, it, there, I, I think a lot of the crypto native applications just haven't been designed yet um, outside of the most of the speculation and whatever. Um, you, you do have like a fair amount of innovation and in like decentralizing order books. So there's several projects coming that are doing that. I think um, decentralized order books are going to help a lot in terms of getting away from centralized exchanges. Um, assuming they attract a lot of market maker liquidity and um, we're talking about projects like DYDX and say network and all these kinds of things um it's kind of windy here i hope you can hear me <laughs> I, I tried to step away from it's good a, a kind of some area that's kind of noisy anyway but yeah there's there's kind of a lot of things happening um i, I do think that uh 
um, you know, like the next 10 years, like almost all of the major, uh, like all of the major, um, I would say developments are going to be related to automation, uh, which I think is uh, interesting because Andromeda does some of that um, for the crypto space. I think uh, automation in general, whether it's AI or uh, self-driving cars or this, that, and the other thing, um, I think those are, um, to me, like where the most obvious uh, applications will be. And then there'll probably be some other less obvious things, but I think, uh, I don't know, it's the lowest hanging fruit to me is automating things. Yeah, appreciate that. Uh, for for context, you know, I referenced this FAT world I came from. When uh, we first started flying the airplane, uh, it was so far advanced that no one was ready for automation. And over the course of uh, my career and beyond, that technology has uh, evolved to drones, now pilotless uh, machines that do a lot of the work that I used to have to do manually. So I, I you know, it's a it's a long road. Uh, fortunately, crypto moves fast, and I think you're right on target there, Sefi, with the evolution of this technology. Uh, if it's good, it will win out in the day as long as it's creating value and it's user friendly. It's got to be easy. You know, if it's restricted to a very few elite, highly you know talented individuals, it won't work. We won't get out of the space, and we got to quit talking just to ourselves. We got to talk to the mainstream. They may not be listening initially, but some will, and we'll pick up more and more over time as the technology evolves to what it will be, not just today, but tomorrow and in the future. You know, thank you for those comments. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, some some of the, I think some of the obvious applications, um, accounting would be the most obvious to me. Like, uh, for, for example, um, if you're talking about, uh, you know, like right now, you run a business in the real world. Um, you know, whether it's using QuickBooks or, you know, uh, something like uh, uh, Oracle's NetSuite or something like that. Like right now, the process of running a business, a brick and mortar business, um, from an accounting perspective, is still pretty miserable considering where the tech is. Um, the imp like the tech is there already to really make that really, really simple. But the implementation um, has been very, very slow, like on the order of decades. Um, like if you, if you just sort of like put, write down on a napkin, what you, how you'd want accounting in a business to run and how it runs now, like there's a, there's a pretty wide gulf. And I think, uh, that's an example of where, um, the combination of automation and crypto could actually make, um, I don't know, like dramatically easier to run, uh, you know, for like actual businesses as opposed to, um, like, you know, just speculating on, uh, markets and stuff like that. The utility function of uh, four real world businesses, I think is really the next frontier. Um, and the existing companies out there, the QuickBooks, you know, the turbo taxes of the world, the net suites and things like that are, I think are okay, but even there, the user experience is not great. And I think uh, it can be much more seamless and a lot cheaper. Completely agree with you. Uh, one of the reasons why I got into the crypto industry as uh, someone that's, quote, more experienced is because I needed that in my uh, commercial real estate business. You know, I needed blockchain and crypto for all the advantages we all know uh, to infuse in what uh, was going on with the disruption of commercial real estate. Uh, one of our best clients right now that has an extraordinary uh, 
real estate portfolio he wants to bring to uh, the Andromeda technology. You know, he is famous for saying, I want to be automated. I'm lazy. I want this business to work by itself. You know, I want to go fishing. So uh, I think you're right on to something there. Uh, accounting, all the other, you know, payroll. We talked about payroll being something that's very easily done with the uh, Andromeda Digital Object. There are all kinds of things that will e eventually add up to a movement. Once once the crypto folks understand, blockchain uh, natives understand what's happening with Andromeda Digital Objects. And the, uh, you know, Pete talked about it just a minute ago of what's available part of the, the problem is that even the crypto world doesn't understand what's available with something like an Andromeda digital object. Uh, the, the innovative space, um, Ren likes to say the design space is vast. Uh, the, the innovative space with digital objects, we really open it up. You know, NFTs, like them or hate them, they're teaching society about digital ownership. I don't mind it as much because if it helps us teach people about Andromeda digital objects or what Obi-Wall is doing that would integrate with that, it, it helps. It's a slow process because if you look at the large scale uh, view of the timeline, again, we're at the beginning of the beginning and it's going to take more and more innovation uh, for people to see accounting, usage, payroll, HR functions, you know, operational functions, different functions as we come up with more and more use cases. And we need your help. We need developers to come in and uh, and develop, you know, to innovate. So please, please come in to Andromeda uh, and and build things. You know, Pete's our <laughs> Pete's our star case right now. You know, he he got a load of uh, Andromeda uh, Developer Academy and immediately started building ADOs. So you know, he's our uh, he's our poster boy for how good this could be once you get a feel for it. And Pete, that, the whiz kid. Yeah, he is a whiz kid. That's a, that's a good thing, and we're trying to make it not we're trying to make it easy, not just for whiz kids, but for everybody. You know, people like me that can come in and uh, and figure out what's the square root of Web three pretty easily. Hey, right, I, think, I, 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 I think uh, I think I think we've taken up a bunch of time. Unless you want to hit some uh, significant points here, you know, we're in this holiday season, and everybody's got uh, turkey on their mind here in the U.S. So uh, I was thinking maybe we could wrap up here, unless there's uh, something else that we want to bring up. Yeah, no, I think that's probably good enough. Um, it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. I know there's a lot going on uh, on chain. We've got the Ave Curve drama going on right now. Uh, so interested to follow up on that and see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a wild year. This has definitely been the wildest year as far as headlines go with crypto and um, moving forward. I mean, it's it's hard to see a light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe sometimes when you know price dips so low, and and I'm telling you though, don't don't get too discouraged. Um, even if you're just a retail investor, I think this is the best time to get in, uh, which seems counterintuitive, but it's not. But what did uh, Warren Buffett say? Buy greed, sell fear, or the opposite? Maybe the the opposite. I'm confusing it, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, thanks everybody for, for joining and listening. Uh, if you want more information for Andromeda, where do the people need to go for Andromeda information, man? So it's andromedaprotocol.io is the, uh, is the website. Join us on the Telegram, uh, public channel, uh, discord as well. And, uh, we're, we're in the, the build up phase of our, uh, of our Twitter. So, uh, it's Andromeda Prot, uh, P R O T. 
And uh, we look forward to uh, talking with you and uh, teaching you about Andromeda. And uh, please uh, do the same thing for Obi Wallet there, uh, Evan. Yeah, absolutely. If you're interested in what Obi is doing, you can go to obi.money. Uh, at a very high level, we're just we're getting rid of seed phrases. We're getting rid of all the dumb shit that happens with wallets. Um, you know, it, when you sign into a Web two service, it's very easy. When you sign into a Web three service, it needs to be more serious, right? Because now your assets are on the line. Uh, so we do take it very seriously, but we make it just as easy as a Web two service. Um, so. If you're interested, just check it out. Uh, we've been working on it for a while, and we're excited to uh, to bring this to to not only you know new layer ones that that we're working with, but also the masses. So, good job, Brendan, Evan. Thanks everyone for attending. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks everyone. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was is crypto dead? Hosted by Pantera and the Bytes Digital Group. Recorded on Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay. Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way. Resuscitating major players in the waiting room. Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools. Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom. Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom. Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news to let us know what we should believe as the latest truth. Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio. Trying to keep it well lit, like filming a movie role. Sorting through support from your endorsements. Of course, we're tripping balls, handing reports in. The latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is gizzle Kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the lash, letting rhythm scratch Dope shit, spitting facts with my vision smash Big drip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastised into digging holes in the back nine the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of peck of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two